previously on Partnership Vision Podcast. God can use anybody and can speak through anybody at any given time. And he used my captor's arrogance and pride, pettiness, whatever label you want to slap on it. He used that to get me back home. That along with even prior to this, my captor was telling me, well, someday you're going to want to be with a man that is more your age. You're not going to want to be with somebody as old as I am and taking care of me. You're going to be wanting to be with a younger man and you're going to be this amazing woman and I'm hoping that I'll be there to see it. And does that make any sense for him to say that on his own? No. Which sometimes, you know, people will just basically prophesy and they don't even know what they're doing. You know, they'll see the future. They'll be tapping into something genuine in the spirit realm. Basically, for a second, you're seeing like somebody's spirit and not all their issues and all their junk. And they're actually saying something, you know, truthful. They're actually saying something that they're seeing. And even villainous people can do that sometimes. It doesn't mean they're a good person. <laughs> it just means that something shined through them in that moment. Veni, Vinny, Amari. We came, we saw, we loved. Welcome to the Partnership Vision Podcast. Where we discuss how to have a relationship full of unity, trust, fun, and fulfillment. We'll be sharing the rewards of preparing yourself for your best partner and being your best for them. And so it was, you know, very obvious. And it, of course, you know, like she said, why would he admit or say a thing like that? Because he really did want control over her. And even even that sending her off and away with her parents was just, he was going to have her on a longer leash. You know, he thought he had her under so much control and had her so completely under his thumb that he could send her off and then bring her back whenever he wanted and reel her back in and get what he wanted out of her and then send her back and then just use her money. And he thought he had it completely made and there was no way that he could ever lose her. He could never lose the power he had over her. And so for him to say something like that is so out of character, it makes so little sense. But, you know, God can just sovereignly just put something in somebody's mind and put something there in their ear that they just... They have to say it. You know, they just feel the need for some reason that they've got to say it. And, you know, because sometimes it feels good to say the truth. Sometimes it feels good to prophesy and, and actually say something light and positive, even though if the rest of your life you're walking in darkness and negativity and everything else, it can feel good for a moment to actually speak something good <laughs> and something that's actually wholesome. So that was one of those moments, and it was something God used to be a sign for Brandy, like, hey, you know, this isn't meant to last. This isn't something that's supposed to be forever. And of course, at the time, that, that just broke me up. You know, it's like I was so cut up inside. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, we're together. We've been looking at rings. Um, you finally admitted that you were in love with me after you know, a year or so prior saying that I love you, but I don't know if I'll ever be in love with you. And so you're finally saying that you're in love with me. We've looked at wedding rings and now you're telling me that, hey, you know, you're going to want somebody else. We're not going to be together. I'm like, what? <laughs> 
But it was a one-off crazy thing because in all the rest of the time, he's still, he's not changing. He's still being the same manipulative, you know, conniving, awful person. That's just a weird break out of character all of a sudden that's happening in the midst of him ex acting exactly the same way and having his same scheming and machinations going on. Precisely. I just, like I said, it, it, there, there was moments of sugar, but sugar wasn't all the time. And even the sugar was poisoned. It was manipulation. Manipulation was the sugar of the brainwashing. <laughs> he used different material things to do so with as well. So finally, after a lot of finagling and whatnot, and um, my captor and I started looking at different apartments closer to where the, to the university that I'd be going to, and because the original thing was that my parents would help me get like an apartment, and I could stay in the apartment and and go to school. And so we shopped around, shopped around, shopped around, and. It came down to the fact of my parents saying, well, hey, yeah, we can't do that. You're going to you're just going to have to move back in here. And what, you know, the, re, the real rationale that they weren't telling me was that they knew that I wasn't really thinking straight. They, did, they had no idea, you know, where my mind was or what I'd been through or anything. They just knew that, yeah, you're not thinking like the daughter I raised. So <laughs> I don't think you should be off on your own right now. And so they changed their mind and then just kind of claimed they couldn't, you know, cover that uh, XYZ amount a month. And, of course, there I started really freaking out. I mean, I got mad first because I was like, you lied to me. You, you lied about actually getting me an apartment. You lied that I would actually be free to do my own thing. And then the fear set in because of all the different things that my captor built on top of what I had actually been through while I was at home and making things out to be not what they were and then just building things up past the point of ridiculousness and my mind just really absorbing it all like a sponge, I was scared to death to move back home. And by this time, this was closing in on, you know, fall of 2015. The fall starts in late August, mid to late August. So... In July, I started getting my affairs in order and, you know, put in my two weeks notice, which they, the very next day, found a reason to go ahead and just let me go. They were already wanting me to leave anyway, just like Sean mentioned earlier. And they made up this bogus reason and, you know, then had me walked out with security, like as if I was going to do something. And so by this time, you know, Sean and I had known each other for maybe three weeks and it's beyond me where how my mind came up with this that it was it was a god thing that's all the only way you can explain it because obviously yeah i knew i could trust him but i only known him for three weeks he could still be a psycho and i didn't know <laughs> and vice versa on the what i'm about to say too um so i mean like god thing just like it was a god thing went for me to approach him because i don't even remember why i even finally just approached sean in that cafeteria that day to say hi <laughs> I have no idea other than maybe it was just an opportunity. I was like, okay, well, you're, you're here alone and I'm about to head out. Why not? I say hi. I, I, I really don't know. But at some point I asked Sean, I was like, hey, how would you like to go on an adventure with me? <laughs> I'm moving back home and it's about two hours away and I'm going to need help moving my stuff. Would you mind coming with me? And so I said, sure, I'm good for anything. <laughs> I was just like, 
wow, like I, without even thinking about it, I wasn't like, oh, uh, you know, let me think about that or what, what's the day or what's the time or whatever. I was just like, yeah, sure. I'm good for anything. I was just like, for, for one thing, just like, heck with it. Why not? Do something adventurous. And like, and then also is like, go with her. Sure. That sounds great. And then after I got off the phone, I was like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> what did I agree to? What did I just agree to? What am I doing here? <laughs> And I just, I, I prayed about it afterwards. I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like this is something I'm, I am supposed to do. And, you know, told my mom, my family about it and everything. And they're just like, okay. <laughs> and I just, yeah, when she uh, came and picked me up and we had her stuff, had had her pupper in the back and just uh, drove on the way to her parents' house. And prior to that, my mom and dad had already brought a U-Haul up to where I, where I was at and uh, got the bulk of everything that I had but there was still a, a decent carload of things that um, either didn't fit or I didn't want to send back just yet because that happened a couple weeks before I was even supposed to leave and I wasn't ready for certain things to go. We were really kind of packed up in my car and the pupper was still a pupper. He wasn't you know full grown yet but he He's 85 pounds now, so <laughs> he was pretty big even at that point. So he basically took up the back seat for the most part, but he, then he was kind of packed in there too a little bit. But when we finally did actually get to the house, I had already been kind of crying because I was scared and I was having separation anxieties from my captor already. But the moment we actually got everything kind of unloaded and we were officially in the house that's when just everything just kind of blew up um the analogy i've used when i've told some people of my story imagine taking a full-grown tiger that has lived its life just freely roaming the jungle and living by its own instincts and never has seen a person never has seen anything other than its prey you know and then you somehow, you know, you sedate it and then you throw it into a dog crate and lock the door and the dog crate is sturdy enough to where it can contain it. It wakes up and then it, it just loses it. And, and, and it's going rabid trying to get out of there and hurting itself. And that was me mentally. <laughs> because of everything that was so built up around this house that, like I said, was blown out of proportion. I mean, there was stuff to build on, sure, but basically he had demonized my parents and demonized the house and my whole life back home, which a demon-possessed man demonized my past life. The irony. And I totally lost it. Um, I started bawling and I, I would, would uncontrollably, you know, call my, my captor every like 10, 15 30 minutes, hour, whatever, but I'll let Sean fill in the, the spaces because he's the one that saw it all. I can tell you what I felt, but he saw it. Yeah, she was, it was kind of scary at first because she just really, like I could tell that it was post-traumatic stress, you know, that she was just completely falling apart, like reliving trauma, reliving like whatever kind of horrors, whatever kind of terror that she had had in her mind of coming there and being there. And like, there was such a hopelessness, you know, where she'd cry like despairing, like she was never, it's like somebody's being locked away and they're never gonna be let out again, you know, it's just, 
a terrible state of mind and just desperately crying and, and sobbing and you know her mom had to get her granny to come over and comfort her and pray for her and you know and I was just doing the best I could just to be there just have a reassuring hand on her shoulder just praying for her just talking to her to whatever extent I could you know we got her calmed down to a like a, a point of she, she's crying but she's not sobbing you know she's not in hysterics and I uh, somehow, one way or another, was able to get off enough time from work, which I, I don't ask me how it's like miraculous because we could never get any time off. You know, we always had to just be working when they wanted us to work and everything was on their terms, not on ours. But I got the time one way or another to be there with her for a couple days and just stay there with her and see her through this process. And so I stayed there at their house and I didn't let her out of my sight. I kept her right there. I stayed right with her and just my attention was completely on her the whole time. And, you know, she was in such a bad state. She, she wouldn't eat. She wouldn't drink. I had to basically bring her water, bring her food. And I'd be like, come on, eat. You need to eat something. You need to eat some food, you know, and just the whole time too, just trying to reassure her, like, Hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. You know, just eat this food, you know, just drink this water. And, Having, having to take care of her, having to tend to her until she sort of resurfaced back to a state of, of not being in such shock and not being so overwhelmed. And by the time it was getting time that I was going to have to go, she really didn't want me to go. But like, well, you know, she knew and I, I knew that I, I had to, but she was uh, over that just uh, panicked and, and just hysterical state. And, uh, but you know, I just, after that, I was like, wow, there's really a lot here, obviously that she needs healing from. Like there's a lot that's going to have to be addressed. It's going to have to be gone through here. And, uh, so it became a thing that I would, you know, whenever I got time off, got a week off, I'd ask, Hey, you know, can I come visit? Can I come see you? And, uh, you know, she'd have to ask her parents and would always, you know, well, you know, can you come? And she was always really nervous about asking and, Sometimes it didn't seem like a big deal. A lot of times it seemed like they were kind of resistant, not wanting to have somebody just show up in their house or whatever. But uh, nevertheless, she'd ask and I'd get, you know, every other week or whatever, get a chance that I could actually show up and come there and be there with her and just spend time together. And, uh, you know, as she started to resume college life, go with her in the mornings to, to the college and spend lunch time with her, go with her you know, back home, help her study, uh, just be present, just kind of be there, you know? And, uh, that's what I did for quite a few weeks following that. And just the adjustment time, trying to help her get adjusted to living with her parents. And I knew at the time that this was something she needed, that she needed to rebuild a relationship with her parents, that it was good for her to be out of the town that we were both from and that job and all of that. And even the people there, I was getting this sense at the time that it's like, yeah, it's the people that she's been involved with that are not good. And I, I didn't really know about her captor per se. I didn't really know the nature of their relationship or anything. But I just knew that whatever this circle of friends and this people that she was with were not good. They were not nice to her. They were not kind to her. They were bad for her self-image. And just all together, I just knew. And to me, that the town that we were from, to me, was a hellhole. Like, I hated that place with a passion. I, I've had no good feelings towards that place 
and felt that it was just totally negative. So I was like, hey, this is good. This is good that you're out of here. But, you know, of course, I wasn't just trying to force feed that to her or anything. But in my mind, I was like, okay, I just need to help her to realize that this is going to be a good place. This is going to be a good thing. It's safe. And this is for you to, you know, be able to have reconciliation, you know, in your relationships and get things right between you and your parents to where you can move on with your life. And, you know, I'd recently been through reconciliation of my own with my parents. So to me, it was really close to them. Just like, look, they do want what's best for you. They may not understand and know absolutely everything that you really need and what, you know, is really going to be the most helpful to you, but they really do want to do good by you. And so I was an advocate, you know, constantly, you know, and I had no idea that I was coming up against brainwashing, that they're terrible and they're awful and all this kind of stuff. And she wasn't communicating that to me, wasn't flat out telling me, you know, she would tell me certain things about certain memories and stuff that that happened. And I would analyze that situation and kind of like try to bring the judgment of that situation to a more balanced, a more even keel of like, well, you know, when that happened, he might've been thinking this, or she might have been dealing with that, you know, just kind of deal with more of the human nature, the psychology of where they're coming from. Like they're not just, just being cruel to you to be cruel to you. They're not being mean just to be mean. Like there's reasons, you know, there's stuff going on. And a lot of times they're trying to do something good for you and they're accidentally hurting you. You know, they're doing something that's not working out well and just not recognizing it, not realizing what's happening in these situations. And also in the conflict that they were having, trying to adjust to each other back in the house and the misgivings that were still there between all of them after everything. Like I was just there to be a buffer as much as I could to help her adjust, help her to adapt and help her to try to see them in a more positive light. And, uh, and they didn't even know it. <laughs> they had no idea that I was probably their biggest advocate in the world at that time with Brandy that actually had enough clout with her to make an impact, to make a difference, to get her to, to think about them in a, in a more positive way. But uh, so it was, it was a very interesting time. This podcast is a part of our ministry partnership vision, which is dedicated to youth and young adults who are in need of support, wisdom, or healing so that they can live their best life with the people they're meant to be a part of. You can help support us by sharing our show with others directly, posting about us or reposting on social media, or by donating to us financially through our donorbox.org link, which you can find in the description for this episode. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us where the heart is heard. Partnership Vision Ministries. Stay driven by love. So you can wreck all the fear. You can check us out on Instagram at Partnership Vision Ministries. Or on Facebook on Partnership Vision Ministries page. And even Twitter at PVisionM. Y'all come back now, you hear?